Hello, and welcome to the Sapona Road Church Podcast. Today is a great day. It's the day that the Lord has made, and we are excited that you've taken time to join with us as we hear from God's Word. We exist as a church to spread the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We hope that today's message encourages and blesses you and helps you to grow and mature in your walk and relationship with Him. The Word of the Lord is powerful and life-changing, so let's see our lives transformed as we listen to today's message. I want to I talk to you today on uh, passion for more. And... So I'm just going to, I want to read from Psalms 62. Uh, Heather's at home not feeling well. She's probably watching online. So uh, keep her in your prayers too. She's one of the ones not feeling well today. We had a lot out today actually. But uh, in Psalm 62, uh, verse 11, it says, and this is the Passion Translation, by the way. Uh, It says, God said to me once and for all, All the strength and power you need flows from me. And again, I heard it clearly said, All the love you need is found in me. And he said, The greater your passion for more, the greater the reward I will give you. Father, we just thank you for your word. I just ask your blessing upon this message, God. Let it just, let people be touched. Lord, we thank you for your presence that's already here. Now help us just to receive today. In Jesus' name, amen. The greater your passion for more, the greater the reward I will give you. We need to have passion for more. It doesn't matter how long you've been serving the Lord. It doesn't matter what level you've reached in the, uh, you know, the spiritual totem pole. It doesn't matter. There's always more of God. And so it, doesn't, it, it should never change. Our passion should never uh, lessen at all. We should always have a... A passion for more, and so I talked. I've talked the past few weeks um, about a faith that you can believe in, and then last week about believing is seeing. And I'm kind of going along in that same thing, and just going to uh, talk to you a little while, and then share a couple testimonies um, that I that that I have read, and uh, and make a few points from that. But where what is our passion today, as believers? Do we have a passion for for more of God? Or are we just satisfied? Why are there so many people in the church that are just satisfied? They're happy and content, just like, like things are. I'm not saying that we should, we should be content people in Christ, but at the same time, we should have a passion for, for more of God. And, and when I say passion for more, and I may say this a few times in the message, I'm not talking about going after spiritual gifts, which we should. We should pursue spiritual gifts. I'm not talking about going after miracles, signs, and wonders. I'm talking about going after God. And as our passion for Him, and we go after Him, those other things are going to happen because it's just just who He is. But do we have the passion that we should? Do we have a passion for more uh, today in our lives? And just like the last two weeks, we got to be honest with ourselves about it. Because if we don't, we should. And if we don't, we need to do something about it so that we can uh, be all that God wants for us to be and we can experience all that He has for us to, to experience. And so with this thought, I'm going to talk about healing a little bit today, okay? And, uh, and try, to, try to explain some things as best I can. 
in Matthew 8, uh, verses 16 and 17, it says, That evening many demon-possessed were brought to Jesus. He cast out the spirits with a simple command, and He healed all the sick. This fulfilled the word of the Lord through the prophet Isaiah, who said, He took our sicknesses and removed our diseases. See, we serve an amazing uh, God of compassion and mercy. And that's what healing is. Healing is an act of God's mercy. See, we, we need to also know that it's part of the atonement. It's been taken care of. Jesus provided it. It's part of Christ's redemptive work at the cross. And so healing, even though it's a loving gesture of our, of our great Father and of His mercy, it's, it's more than that because it's also included in the saving provision that Jesus, uh, of Jesus Christ for every person. And so there's a difference. I want, what I want you to understand is that there's a difference between receiving healing and the gift of healing. The spiritual gift, uh, gifts of healings. And I'm, I'm not really talking about the gifts of healings today. I'm talking about uh, receiving healing from the Word of God. So the gifts of the Spirit, we, we know what the gifts of the Spirit are. Word of wisdom, word of knowledge, discerning of spirits, prophecy, tongues, interpretation of tongues, gifts of faith, gifts of healing, and uh, gifts of miracles. But that's not the same thing as just, those are important. We need to pursue them, but that's not the same thing as just standing on the truth of God's Word, because what happens is this. It's, um, it's kind of like with the, the gift of faith. We're all given a measure of faith. We know that. The Bible tells us that. Well, that measure of faith that you're given, it can be used to influence other people and help other people, but it's primarily for us. That gift of faith, that, the, the measure of faith is primarily for you. The gift of faith is primarily for others. It can be applied in your own life, but it's most of the time it's going to be uh, for someone else. And so it's kind of like when it comes to the gift of healings, it's probably easier to just stick with that one since that's the one I'm talking about. With the, with the gifts of healings, if, I, if the Holy Spirit is operating through me uh, in the gifts of healings, I'm not the one getting healed. Holy Spirit's operating through me, and as I'm speaking a word or laying hands on someone or praying, hand, uh, praying for someone or, or in whatever way that uh, I'm releasing that gift, other people are getting healed. So, in fact, the gift of healing that's upon me is for other people. Okay? And so, uh, there's, so there's a difference in me operating in the gift of healing and uh, receiving healing. So today I'm talking about receiving healing as a believer in Jesus Christ. I'm talking about walking in divine health and standing on the Word and the finished work of Jesus, not just uh, a gift of the Spirit. And uh, now we should have a passion for all of these things. And I know I didn't probably adequately explain all of that, but there's a difference between the gift of healing and receiving healing. I don't have to wait for someone to come by, if I'm in need, I don't have to wait for someone to come by that's operating in the gift of healing for me to be healed. I don't, I don't, it, it's good when it happens. I'm all for it. That's a, it's a great thing. We need to operate in the gifts. But I can receive healing also by believing and declaring God's Word and what Jesus has provided. And sometimes we just limit the power of the Word of God. We, we forsake the power of the Word of God. And so uh, when they were singing that last song, it made me think of something that I had had read that I want to share with you, so hopefully this goes okay. But in, uh, in Luke, the 24th chapter, 
This is when they're going to the tomb of Jesus and he's been resurrected. And it says that um, in verse 4, it says, Two men stood by them in shining garments. Then as they were afraid and bowed their faces to the earth, they said to them, Why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but he is risen. Remember how he spoke to you when he was still in Galilee, saying the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and the third day rise again. And they remembered his words. Then they returned from the tomb and told all the things that they had seen. So now when I picture this, this is what you got to realize. So they just see two angels. You would think that would be all it would take for it to click. But it clicked when they remembered his words. We have to remember the words, the word of the Lord. We have to not neglect the power of his word. And if we stand on the promise of this word, everything you I'm all for the gifts of the spirit. Please don't misunderstand me on that. But there are many things we're missing out on as believers that don't have anything to do with you not reaching some, the next spiritual level or getting in the right prayer line. It has everything to do with you not letting this word get into your life. Because you can stand on that promise because when things are going bad, usually there's not a prayer line anywhere around. And if you can't remember his words, how are you going to walk through in, in victory? So it wasn't just they saw something supernatural like two angels. Because that's what we think. If we can just have a service where something crazy spiritual happens, everybody in town will hear about it and we'll be busting the doors out for the next building program. The power is in the Word of God. Those other things are real. We need them. We need to pursue them. But we need to have a passion for Jesus. And Jesus is the Word. So we need to have a, a passion for the Word. So I'm talking about receiving healing based on the promises of the Word of God. That's for every believer. And you don't have to just be around someone who's operating uh, in a gift. And like I said, if they're operating in the gift and you need healing, you better go get in that line. But at the same time, you can stand on the promises of God's Word. In John 10 and 10, Jesus said this, The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. Now in the first part of here, we're seeing exactly how the enemy operates. Steal, kill, and destroy. And uh, this scripture is almost always used when you're, when you're talking about healing, uh, but it has to be said almost every time. This should be all the evidence that we need to realize that sickness comes from the devil. We all battle sickness. We all have things that happen. And guess what? No matter how good a person you are, I'm not calling you a bad person for battling sickness, but it all comes from the devil. We don't like to say that because it hurts, hurts our own feelings because we all know that we've got something probably going on in our bodies right now that we wish we didn't. But it comes from the enemy. God does not put sickness on people. Just think about it. Sickness is like the enemy. It has the nature of the enemy. And so if you don't get anything else from this message, get this belief, get this truth in you because it's the first step to receiving healing. And that is God does not want you sick, just like you don't want your kids sick. I mean, when your kid is sick and they're, uh, they're not driving you crazy because they're on the couch just laying there watching TV and they want to cuddle up with you and all that, even though you might enjoy that little cuddle time, do you want your kid sick? No, you want them, you're, you're even thinking, I would give anything for my kid to be running around acting wild and crazy. And then they do. And you start regretting that thought, that prayer. But at the same time, you don't want your kid sick. 
God doesn't want you sick. That's a lie of the enemy. And because sickness is just like the enemy, it has all the attributes of the enemy. It has none like God. Sickness is a thief. It steals your health, it steals your happiness, and it, and it steals your money. Think about all the money you're spending on a sickness or on medications, on doctor's appointments that you could be spending on other things. Yourself, your family, the ministry, whatever. And it steals money from you because you're missing work while you're sick and you're not making any money. You're just sitting around having to, having to endure it. It's the enemy. It's from the enemy. It steals from us and it tries to kill us and it tries to destroy the work of the Father in our lives. See, sickness, it doesn't even just affect you. It'll affect the whole house. It'll affect the mentality of the home. It brings depression. It brings all kinds of other things that come, come along with it. And it tries to destroy us. And so it will succeed if we let it. But Jesus said, I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. So what he's doing, he's contrasting his works or God's works with the works of the devil. And we need to know the difference. Unfortunately, a lot of Christians don't. They don't understand it. In 1 John 3, verse 8, it says, But when people keep on sinning, it shows that they belong to the devil, who has been sinning since the beginning. But the Son of God came to destroy the works of the devil. So yes, Jesus came to destroy sin because sin is a work of the devil, but it's not the only work of the devil. So it's not all that he came to destroy. He also came to destroy sickness and disease and every single part of the curse. He took care of all of it. And so we need to realize this and begin to treat sickness and disease just like we would the devil. We don't want to play around with him. We don't need to play around with, with sickness. See, we're under a new and better covenant, and we need to act that way. Hebrews, uh, in Hebrews 8 and verse 6, it tells us that we're under a better covenant. So think about it with this better covenant that we have. If healing was a provision in the old covenant, why would we lose it in the new covenant? That's a pretty important part of the covenant, whether it's the old or the new, I would think. See, if something was available in the old covenant that is not available in the new covenant, then how can the new covenant be a better covenant? Especially something that important. And if God provided healing for people in the old covenant that were his servants, because Jesus hadn't come yet, and he's the firstborn, so they were servants of God, they weren't sons and daughters of God, why would he provide healing for the people that were in the old covenant that were his servants and then not provide healing for us in the new covenant when we're his sons and daughters? It just doesn't make sense, does it? But we'll just accept it because I, can I explain it all? No, I can't explain it all. But what I can't explain, I'll never trade for what I know to be true about God. You can't, you can't do it. So if being under a better covenant means that we go through life sick and in horrible shape when that wasn't the case in the old covenant, I have a hard time thinking it's a better covenant. But I know that it is. So that means that we're missing something somewhere. And see, we need a passion for more, a passion for more of God so we can walk in the fullness of the revelation of Jesus, who He is, what He's done, and what He's provided for us. God wants us to prosper. God wants us to be in good health. He wants us to show other people how amazing it is to be His son or daughter. He wants people to see His goodness in our life. And see, He's, he's already blessed us, but we have to be willing and able to receive those blessings. It's like people talking about building faith. 
Now, building faith is, is important. It's an important, important thing that we should all do. But, but here's what you have to remember. You can build your faith all you want, but until faith is released, nothing happens. You can have all the faith in the world, but until you activate and release that faith, nothing's going to happen because that's what makes the difference when that, that faith is activated and, and released. And unfortunately, with a lot of this stuff, because we don't understand all of it, because we can't explain all of it, we just let it go. We just let it go because we, you know, if it's, if we don't know it, we want to at least be able to Google it. And if we can't Google it, we got to let it go. We can't, we can't have somebody, you know, thinking bad about us. And because we don't pursue it, we miss out on so much that's available to each and every believer. Every single one of us. Mark 16, verse 17. 17 and 18, it says, And these signs will follow those who believe. In my name they will cast out demons, they will speak with new tongues, they will take up serpents, and if they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick, and they will recover. Now, another thing I want you to, to, to try to explain the difference between is a healing and a miracle. Now, just like... Um, Word of wisdom and word of knowledge and prophecy, all those can kind of overlap each other. We've talked about how spiritual gifts, gifts over, overlap. Uh, the same thing happens here with healing and miracles. And uh, in this scripture we just read, it says they'll lay hands on the sick and they'll instantly recover. No, it says they, they, will, they will recover. It can be a gradual thing. Not everybody's instantly healed. And what happens, I'm, now I'm all for instant healing, especially if I'm the one receiving prayer. I'm all about that. But what happens is many times because we, we are looking for certain things to happen a certain way, we don't give God credit. So if I pray for someone uh, and they get healed immediately, everybody's ready to shout and praise God. But if I pray for you, and you begin to slowly recover, and three weeks, six weeks, three months later, you're healed, the doctor, the medicine, the procedure, everybody else gets the credit, and we've forgotten all about God and all those prayers that have been going up because we think it has to happen right now. I want it to happen right now, too. I do. And many times what happens, too, is what we don't realize is, so the difference between healing and a miracle, if I've been playing football or the military or something, I have no cartilage in my knees, and I ask you to pray that God will heal my knees, I don't need a healing, I need a miracle, because I need cartilage to appear where there is no cartilage right now. If I've, if I've had a horrible accident and I'm, I'm missing three of my fingers, and I want you to pray that God gives me my fingers back, that's not a healing, that's a miracle. Do you understand that? And so sometimes we're praying for different things and we want things to happen a certain way and we get all confused about what's going on and so again, we just let it go. I'm not going to pray for anybody to get healed because have you ever had this thought? When I pray for people, they never get healed. Well, you don't know what might have happened six weeks later, six months later. You don't know how things might have been lined up as they begin to recover. And so whether it happens immediately or it happens six weeks, six months down the road, we have to remember to give God the credit and the praise because it's still Him working that out in that person's life. You know, that, it's the same thing with standing on the truth of God's Word. Many times people that will go, go get in the prayer line and, 
if God's moving and the power of God is moving, people don't think anything. You know, they, they encourage them and encourage them. And then if somebody tells you that they're standing on, uh, they pick out their scripture that God, they feel like God's given them about healing and they, they're standing on it. If they stand on it more than two weeks, you just write them off as crazy and say they're just, they're just one of those fanatics. Well, actually, which one is trusting God more? The one who's following the crowd to get in the line, who's standing all by themselves and saying, God, I believe what your word says, and they're okay with the recovery process. They don't have to have that show me a sign right now for me to believe. They believe and they stay true to that confession. It's a powerful thing. Now, again, we all want the immediate healing. Every person in here, if you had a choice, that's what you're going to choose. But I want to show you with a couple of testimonies that that's not always the way that things, things go. And so these testimonies, um, they actually are, these, the first two, they're from the 1920s. And since it's in the 1920s and not as easy to, to uh, just get something on video, what they did is, uh, the reason I had written these down in the, from this book is they actually investigated every testimony in this book. And they would investigate people that were at the service. They investigated family members. They investigated neighbors. They investigated doctors. Anyone that could give them an insight to verify uh, these miracles taking place. And uh, so this first guy, he had a problem with his vision. He was cross-eyed. Um, he said that if he didn't have his glasses on, that he could not tell the difference between a chair and a couch across the living room. Um, if he didn't have his glasses on, he immediately got headaches. And his prescription was always changing. Uh, sometimes it would change twice in a year. And so that's how bad his vision was. He was a church attender, though. He said he didn't really believe in the Lord. He wasn't saved, but that he really liked his church and was proud of it, so he went every Sunday. And uh, I wonder how many at his church knew he wasn't, wasn't saved. But he gets invited to a, a revival service. And when he's at this revival, he said for the first time in his life, he heard the whole gospel. He heard about how Jesus came and died for his uh, paid the price for his sins and for sickness and for healing and all these different things. And so he gets born again and he receives prayer for his eyes. And he's instantly healed. His eyes go straight and he's able to take his glasses off without any headaches. And he's able to read a pamphlet they gave him and see the people across the stage. And so he's so excited that he goes home. He wakes everyone up in the house and he tells them all about what God has done for him. His family doesn't know what to think. He finally, when he calms down, he goes to bed. He wakes up the next morning. His eyes are back crossed, and he's as blind as he's ever been. And so his family starts begging him. They're like, you need to put your glasses back on. And uh, he refuses. He says, I'm not putting my glasses on. I know what happened last night. God has healed me. And they said, you need to go look in the mirror. You're obviously not healed your eyes are not straight. They, they said, we can't explain last night. You must have got caught up in your emotions. But now you're blind again. So you need to put your glasses back on. We're just, we just care about you. He refuses. He won't put them on. And uh, he's walking around, I guess, bumping into things. But over the next two weeks, his eyes began to improve. He began to recover. And in two weeks' time, his eyes were straight and his vision was, was perfect. And so my first question for you is, when was this guy healed? When did the healing happen? 
I'm not going to give you the answer. I want you to think about this one. You can think about it all week if you'd like. My second question is, what would have happened if he had put those glasses back on? We don't know. We can only speculate what, what would happen. But if he would have put the glasses on, would he have given up his healing? I don't know. I don't know what would have happened if he would have put them back on. But I do know that the enemy is the enemy. He will try to get you to give up your healing. And a lot of good Christian people, probably, probably maybe all of us in here have given up a healing by falling victim to his schemes. And, and, and uh, he's going he's gonna to just try to get you to give it up just like he tries to get you to never receive it. Because that's his first mode of action, to get you to never receive it to begin with. And then when you do, he's going to try to get you to give it up. It's like, kind of like when, if, when you got saved, let's just say you were a thief. And uh, you were a good one. And you give your heart to the Lord, you're born again. I mean, you have the born again experience. Like, it's no doubt you're saved. Well, it really doesn't matter. I can just about guarantee you that sometime in the near future after that born again experience, you will be presented with the opportunity by the enemy to steal something and make the easiest money you ever made in your life. Because that's how he works. And it's at that moment that you have to remind yourself, wait a minute, this isn't who I am anymore. I'm not a thief anymore. I'm a child of God. I, I'm a Christian. I don't do things like this. This, doesn't, this isn't going to bother me uh, at all. You have to remind yourself that's no longer who you are, and you resist that temptation that you're still a thief. Well, He does the same thing with us when it comes to healing. A lot of the times when you do experience the healing power of God, at some point in the future, usually the near future, the enemy is going to bring back some type of pain, some type of symptom, something to try to get you to give up that healing in your life. We all experience things like that. I, I messed my shoulder up when I was 16 and uh, had ultrasounds, MRIs, all kind of stuff done on my shoulders. And when they did the ultrasounds, they told me my right one was as bad as my left one. I was there for the left one as far as fluid on them. And... Uh, I had to get a suit for Stephen's wedding, and the, the little lady, seamstress lady started wanting to know what was wrong with the suit jacket I bought. I said, it's not the suit jacket, it's my shoulders. One's higher than the other. So uh, my, my, you can see it if I stand up. It's, they're just not right. So uh, I'm, God healed me about, let's see, I would have pain waking up in the middle of the night, but I guess he healed me probably 10 years ago, maybe. Maybe a little bit longer than that. And... Um, about four years ago, I started having a pain in my shoulder. And, man, I was this close. Now, think about that. That means I didn't have pain for how many years? And I, was, I, can, I can remember the thoughts coming in my mind thinking, man, maybe God didn't heal my shoulder. Six years without any pain, and I'm about to just give up on Him. Maybe He didn't heal my shoulder. And uh, it went on for a few, few months, and I was like, man, what is this pain about? And then I, but I would remind myself every time, no, I know God healed me. I'm not going to say anything about this shoulder. I will say that it hurts if somebody asks me what's going on with my shoulder, or something, but I'm not, gonna, I'm not giving up on what God did for me. And it was about two to three months I remembered what I had done to hurt it. And I had done something really crazy I shouldn't have done playing volleyball. But anyways, I had hyperextended my shoulder, but I had forgotten all about, about it, and I just thought the pain was back. 
And it was a couple, I mean, when you hurt your shoulder, if you haven't hurt your shoulder, good for you. But it takes months for shoulders to heal, sometimes years. They don't, they don't heal very quickly because of, that, because of the way the joint is. And so it was a few months later and the pain was gone. I've had no problem since then. But same thing, what would have happened if I would have made the wrong declaration in my life? I don't think that everything you say is held against you in the court of law or anything like that. But at the same time, there is a seriousness to it of trusting God and declaring the things of, of God. But the enemy will do that to you. He will bring a pain back. He'll bring something back to try to get you to give up uh, on that healing. But don't do it. Remind yourself of who you are in Christ. You're saved. You're healed. You're delivered. You're prospering. It doesn't matter what circumstances say. And we have to have a passion for more of God to experience these things. There was a lady in 1921... Uh, this, is, this is my favorite story. She had cancer eating her face. Not, not because of that, but, but uh, it started in her nose. And it had eaten away part of her nose down to her bottom lip to where her teeth were showing. And it had eaten part of her gum so you could see the roots of her teeth. Now this lady, uh, she was uh, to stay alive. She was drinking milk and eating soup through a straw. She couldn't eat solid food. And they had her on real high, whatever the highest pain meds were in 1921. And they had to keep her face bandaged. And they had to have that, that open wound covered with an ointment. And the bandage had some kind of stuff on it that numbed the pain as well. And if she took that off without it being covered in some way, uh, she would pass out immediately from the pain. It was unbearable because of uh, the nerves that were exposed. Now, she was not a believer at all. Didn't know anything about the Lord, but when uh, you're in that kind of shape, people, people wait for you to be almost dying before they invite you to church. I don't know if you know that or not. So they invite her to his revival service. And she goes in the same thing. She hears the gospel for the first time in her life about all that God has provided through Jesus and all that Jesus has done. And she doesn't even wait on an altar call. She just receives it. And so she starts jumping up and down, shouting, I'm saved, I'm healed, I'm saved, I'm healed, I'm saved, I'm healed. And then she starts screaming, get this bandage off of me. And so some of the people around her help her get the bandage off. And so she shouts all over that revival. And they somehow get her in the car and get her home. And she shouts all over her house, wakes everybody up. She gets up the next morning. And even though she's not, uh, she hasn't eaten real food in a long time, she tells her daughter, I'm cooking breakfast and we're going to eat breakfast together. And her daughter says, uh, Mom, you need to go look in the mirror. And so this woman goes and she looks in the mirror and skin has grown over that whole area of her face. There's now skin there, and it's, but it's scars on there. And what was funny about it is that the woman didn't realize the reason her daughter was saying this is the night before when she came in hollering all over the house about how God had healed her, there was no skin there still. It was just a big open wound. In fact, the witnesses that were interviewed at the church service said that when they removed the bandage, they all got sick because it looked so disgusting and it smelled even worse. The person working for the ministry that, did the, uh, uh, that took the testimonies to later investigate, she was sick all that night and the next day from having to sit with the woman long enough to get her testimony because of the sight and the smell of her face. And now, overnight, the skin is back, and uh, the doctor that they interviewed said that it was a miracle that the woman was able to just walk around and not pass out immediately from the pain when the bandage was removed. But the story doesn't end there. 
A few short weeks later, when she was, uh, she noticed that all the scars were now gone. And she was perfectly fine and healthy, no more cancer, no more scarring to her face, no more pain. Uh, she went on to live an, a normal life. So again, when was this woman healed? Was she healed when the pain left and she started screaming, get this bandage off of me? Was she healed when the skin grew back overnight? And so it was something you could actually see. Was it when she was able to eat breakfast? Was it when the doctor confirmed that it was actually a miracle? Or wasn't it when it would be for most of us doubt-filled Christians in the room when all the scars were gone weeks later? We put so many stipulations on, on believing God. Say, so I believe that she was healed as soon as she declared she was healed because that's when she received it. It doesn't matter when it manifested in the physical doesn't matter when you could see it with these eyes. I believe she was healed as soon as she could see it with the eyes of faith and grabbed a hold of it in the spirit realm. It starts in the spiritual and then it manifests in the physical. See, until we have a passion for more and believe for more, we're not going to experience more. And again, I'm talking about going after God. You see, everybody wants change, but nobody wants to change. We like doing things our way. See, going after God isn't about just going after gifts and going after miracles. It's about going after Him. And see, as we go after Him, we will believe more like Him as He reveals Himself more and more to us. And that's what this is all about anyways, being more like Him. How are we going to be more like Him if we don't have a passion for more? See, what are we believing today? Be honest with yourself. I mean, there's nothing wrong with telling the truth. I don't know if you know that or not. It usually, it usually helps with most situations. Because <laughs> when we're honest with ourselves, then we can fix things that need to be fixed. We can put ourselves in the right position to experience the more that we should have a passion for. So I got one more story for you to, to close this thing out. Because this one really goes to our belief, about our belief systems. And uh, this one, there was a man who was, uh, had been sick. and He'd been in his bed sick for over two weeks out of work. Because remember, sickness is a thief. It steals from you. And he was desperate. And so, have you noticed that's when people call on the church too, when they get desperate? He tells his wife, he says, I need you to call the preacher and get him to come pray for me. Because I, I, I don't know what I'm going to do. The doctors, they can't figure it out. He's not getting any better. Nothing's changing. So the preacher shows up. And uh, we have to show up in some pretty high-pressure situations sometimes. <laughs> And uh, he goes in to talk to the man, and the man's laying there, and the man tells him the whole story, everything he's battling in his body. And he says, I just really need you to pray for me, preacher. I need God to heal me. The preacher says, okay, before I pray, I got a question for you. He said, uh, he said sure. He said, what are you going to be doing tomorrow? And the guy just, now he's really annoyed. Obviously, the preacher didn't listen to his story of how bad his life is right now. And he says, I guess I'm going to be laying in this sick bed. What do you mean what I'm going to be doing tomorrow, preacher? I just told you how bad my life's going right now. And the preacher said, well, I'm just going to go ahead and go. I hope you have a good night. Uh, I hope you get some rest. And the guy says, wait a second. Aren't you going to pray for me? And he says, no. I wonder what would happen if you started doing that with people more. <laughs> no, I'm not going to pray for you. And uh, he says, uh, he said, well, that's the whole reason you're here. I need you to pray for me. He goes through it again. I've been out of work. And the preacher said, I don't, I'm not going to pray for you because I don't need to pray for you. 
The guy said, what do you mean? I just told you I need to go back to work. And the, guy, and the preacher told him, said, yeah, but I just asked you where you were going to be at tomorrow and you're planning on being in that sick bed. If you're planning on being in that sick bed, it's not going to do me any good to pray for you. And the guy, unlike a lot of us, he got it. So he called his wife. He says, honey, come here a minute. She walks in. He says, I need you to do me a favor. She says, what do you need? He said, I need you to call my boss. See, most of us just said, oh, I understand, preacher. I know what you mean. Can you please pray for me? Now, he took it further than that. See, when you got a wrong belief system, it, sometimes it takes, it takes some effort to break that thing in your life. And so he said, I need you to call my boss and tell him I'll see him first thing in the morning. I'm coming to work. And she said, honey, you're not able to go to work. The doctor said, he interrupts her. He says, honey, I'm not trying to be short with you, but just go do what I said. That wouldn't work with Heather if I did that. She would still, she would still be upset. But she says, okay, and she goes, and he does, still doesn't say anything to the preacher. She, she goes in there and calls the boss, and when he hears her saying, uh, whatever his name is, hey, my husband said he's going to be at work tomorrow. He says, preacher, I'm ready now. Will you pray for me? And the preacher said, you're definitely ready now. Yes, I'll pray for you. And he goes over and he prays the prayer of faith. And you remember the, the scripture that we read, and they shall recover. And so he prays for this guy, and absolutely nothing happens. The guy doesn't even shed a tear. Nothing. No lip quiver, no goosebumps, no nothing. And he feels absolutely nothing. The preacher leaves. The next day, the guy gets up. He feels horrible, but he gets ready for work. He goes to work, he powers through, and it doesn't, I mean, he, he's having a rough time. The next day, he does it again, and the next day, he does it again. And by the end of the week, he's feeling decent. And by the next week, he's completely healed. No more issues. But see, it was a process. He had to take that first step and begin to, begin to power through. See, there's a lot of people that, they talk a lot of stuff about, well, I'm not going up there for prayer because last time nothing happened. And uh, we put a lot of pressure on the person doing the praying and we forget about what are we believing. And it, I don't care who you get up here, your favorite evangelist, if you're believing the wrong way and God doesn't intervene with one of those spiritual gifts to do something miraculous, not because of you, but in spite of you, Nothing's going to happen. But I can go get the youngest kid in children's church right now and come out here and let them lay hands on you. And if you come up here believing the way that you should, full of the Word of God, then anything can happen. There's a lot of people that they've got in that prayer line and they said the preacher prayed for me and nothing happened. And the whole time they were asking for healing, they were never believing for healing. The whole time they were asking for change, they were never believing for change. They were never believing for breakthrough. And the poor old preacher or altar worker gets blamed for all of it. They must not have fasted enough that week to take care of my problem. But it all goes back to us. What are we believing? Do we have a passion for more of God? Or are we just satisfied like everybody else to just come and sit in a, in a nice church and hear a nice message and some good singing and go home and do it all over again? I don't know about you, but I want more. I want more of God. I want to do whatever it takes to experience that more. And I don't ever want to lose a passion for that. There's a lot of things that change as we get older and as we experience more and as we mature. But that's one thing that should never change from the time we're saved to the time we go to be with the Lord. We should have a passion for more of Him. 
And I believe that if we focus on those things and not get so caught up on who's the biggest church, who's the best, who's the greatest, we already know Jesus had to deal with the disciples with that. So it's still in the church, whether you know it or not. It's everywhere. If we could just forget those things and learn how to trust God at His Word, all those other things will begin to open up for us. So Father God, we just love You today, Lord. Lord, increase our passion for You. God, not a passion for anything that's to impress man, God, but a passion to experience more of You, to be more like You, to think more like You. God, I pray that every heart in here would just begin to burn for You like never before. Help us, God, to correct our belief systems. God, we believe in miracles. God, we believe in Your power. We believe in Your goodness. We believe in Your mercy, Your compassion, God, Your love. We look, know that Your love never fails. So, God, I just want to release that over every person today, God, that we will be honest with ourselves, God. We will correct those things that, that, are, that are not the way they need to be, that don't line up with Your character, and that don't line up with Your Word. God, we thank you for spiritual gifts this morning. We thank you for every gift operating in your body, Lord. We pray that they would just begin to operate more and more. But God, we also pray that we would stand on your word. God, that we would receive life more abundantly through you and a desire and a passion for you, God. And Lord, that we, as we receive, we will go out and allow those gifts to operate through us so that we can bless others. Lord, we want to be a healthy body. God, we want to be a healthy church. We want to be a healthy Christians. We want to be healthy sons and daughters. And that all starts with a passion for you. So, God, we just say yes to you above everything else today, God. Lord, help us not to get caught up in all the religious things that are going on and all the, all the hype of political things, God, in the church and even outside the church, God. But help us to get caught up in more of you. A desire for you that never never lessens, God, that only increases every day, Lord. Increase our hunger for You. Lord, and we thank You, Lord, that every time we get to experience You, it's an invitation for more. God, You're just so amazing, and so I just speak blessings over every person in this house. Lord, I pray that every heart will turn to You like never before, God, that we will be a witness to those around us, an example of Your goodness in our lives. And God, right now, I do come against every sickness that anyone is facing in this, in this place, God, whether it be a sickness in their body, in their mind, God, in their finances, whatever it is, God, we know that you took care of it all, Jesus. You came to destroy all the works of the enemy, God. We're no longer under the curse because Christ is in us. And so we just speak healing and deliverance and prosperity over every person in here, God. And Lord, I just pray that we will not give up our positive confession when the enemy brings things to try and get us to doubt, but we'll just declare even louder and even greater how wonderful you are, how you never fail us. And God, we just thank you and we give you praise and honor and glory for it all. In Jesus' name, amen. We are so happy that you joined us today. If you are interested in learning about or giving to this ministry, you can find more information at saponaroadchurch.com. If you are local to the Fayetteville, North Carolina area, 
Our meeting times are 1045 a.m. Sunday mornings and 7 o'clock p.m. Wednesdays for our connect groups. From all of us here at Sapona Road Church, we hope that you have a great day as you walk in the Lord's favor and blessing.